0: Hey everybody, this is Mike Wardrop from Encounter Church Adelaide, and thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. Our prayer is that through this podcast, you can have an encounter with Jesus that will change your life. And now get ready for an inspiring message from our preaching team. Uh, over the last few weeks, we've been looking at, we've been using the word sparking joy, and we've taken it from the Marie Kondo Um uh tv netflix show or the book if you've read it Uh, and we've been having a little bit of fun with that how we see philippians through sparking joy and so i'm just wondering we've heard from mike mike and we've heard from my husband mike Um, and and we've heard from brian over the last two weeks can you guys come up for a second so guys so you've been you guys preached mike you preached the last two weeks i did and you preached week one cracker of a message. So I'm guessing because you preached on Philippians and because you preached on sparking joy that you know a fair bit about Marie Kondo right? No. You did your research right because I mean you wouldn't lie to these beautiful people and Does say that you know knew all about is? sparking joy would did you? No of course not. So you yeah so I'm guessing you did your research right? I know all about Mary Cobra. Awesome. Sorry, do, do your worst. So I thought we'd just do a bit of a test tonight. If you've done your research, think guys, if you think. know all about Marie Kondo, no, they're mine. If you know all about Marie Kondo, tell me, what is the first thing she would do when she saw a pile of clothes in front of her? I suppose it's this. You go, Right at Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> it is well, not I think exactly I right. She, I don't know who she is, honestly. Mike. So wait, I you think you want someone who's <laughs> up here. No, no, no. I think I know this one. Okay. She'd, she'd pick it up and say, hold it to your chest and ask yourself. Does it spark joy? Very good, Michael. Very good. Yes, she would. Mic drop. And what would happen if it, if it didn't, didn't spark joy? You light it on fire. That is not what you do? No. Brant? Any idea, Brant? What would you yours. do? My, my jocks are all folded in my drawer now. I think my wife's been watching this show. <laughs> <laughs> she definitely has not <laughs> That's Mike, terrifying. what do you do? Uh, you take the ones you don't want and you give them to a charity yes. uh, that is in need that can, <coughs> can right, spark joy mind. in another? Okay, no. You hold it up to yourself though. and you say, does this spark joy? And if, if it doesn't spark joy, you say, thank you very much before you give it to charity. You're making that up. No, I am not. You, you need thank to thank your clothes. You thank your clothes before you give it away. You thank it for what it's done for you, for wearing you. Are you wearing it? Is that what you do with your clothes? <laughs> All right, I feel like I might have already made my point, but I'm going to go one step further. What's the next thing she would do if it did spark joy? Kiss it, I suppose. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, no. It's not set it on fire, is No, it? no I tried that. Uh, You've talked about it already you, with you your job. You fold it up and you put it in your drawer in a way where it fits in very into a very neat space so you can get more in your drawer. Perfect. Brant, can if you he? If you've and, given and everything you away, what are you going to put in your drawer? Yeah. Please Brandt, Brandt, would can you do you me a favor? Can you demonstrate to everyone how she would how she would fold it up? This is going to make I think fascinating that, podcasting. I th- so Brant <laughs> is currently uh, folding <laughs> That is how a... you would fold it normally if you That's weren't Marie Kondo. So, so let me just show you, friends, because this is really important for you to know. So you must fold it with the zip inside. That's really important. We're gonna have to lay Otherwise, it down it so fire, Otherwise, it will spark a fire. Yes. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna put that here and then you're gonna make a, you're trying to make a flat surface. You're actually gonna fold in the crutch, which I found out the other day after watching doing my research for my sermon So now crutch has been said in church. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> and then you fold it almost all the way to the top. But not quite. You've got to leave a gap there for some unknown reason. And then you've got to fold... Now, if you've got a big drawer, you might want to fold it bigger than this, but you can fold it in three if you want. So, one, two, and three. I personally fold mine in about two because I get a bigger drawer. And it should sit up like that. There you go. I'm not even going to ask you to do the T-shirt because I feel like that could be a disaster. I don't know how to fold like Brant did, let alone like Marie Connell does. (laughs) So I feel like I've made my point. You guys can sit down. Thank you very much. For those who aren't there on the podcast, I'm really sorry about that. You need to get along to church. Sometimes just listening through the podcast is great, but you don't always get everything that's happening. So, I think I made my point. We need to do our research, men. It's all good, and we have. But one of the things I want to talk about tonight is how. Sometimes folding your pants doesn't necessarily bring you as much long-term joy as the Word of God. So we're going to start with the Word of God. And I'm going to ask Ash, she's going to come up, and she's going to read our Philippians verse for today. Thanks, Ash. Um, So today's reading comes from Philippians 4, verses 4 through to 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we are talking about joy and I've got my little wall of joy up here and we'll get to that in a minute but I was thinking about times when I have felt joy. There is nothing quite like that moment of pure joy when you give birth to a baby and you see and they put the baby on your chest or wherever and and you see that baby for the first moment. It's a really Beautiful moment of joy. And it's amazing how you can feel so much joy and so much love for someone who's just put you through so much pain as well. It's unbelievable. There's nothing quite like that moment of joy. Another time when I felt a lot of joy is when I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. So if you've never been to church before, you might be like, who is the Holy Spirit? Um, but we believe in, in God, we believe in Jesus, and we believe in the Holy Spirit. And um, there's, there was a time when I was on an Easter camp many years ago uh, when I was a teenager. And someone prayed for me and the Holy Spirit came upon me. And I actually did something which we call um, slain in the spirit. So essentially I fell to the ground when the Holy Spirit came upon me. And I remember in that moment feeling such peace and such joy like I've never experienced before. And it's interesting, I was thinking about it. There's lots of moments in my life that have sparked joy, that I've had joy. But we're going to discover tonight that how moments... Don't make up the full joy of God completely. So you guys have all, I'm sure, felt moments of joy. Even happy moments, moments when your child maybe runs towards you after you've been away for weeks and they've got that massive big smile on their face because they're so excited to see you. Um, Or that moment where you've practiced and practiced and practiced and you've run this race and you've come first and you're absolutely exhausted but you feel so much joy. Or that moment where you're at university and you get that high distinction. I assume that is how you feel because I've never experienced that in my life. But you get the point. Joy is something we all have experienced at times. But it's something God wants us to truly understand. Our lives in a perfect world were actually designed for this. We were designed to live in joy. I think of the Garden of Eden... I imagine Eve just walking along in this beautiful, luscious green grass with purple and yellow flowers all around her, and she's got a flower crown on her head, and she's smiling happily, wandering along, and she's holding the hand of Adam, and her and Adam are walking along, and Adam's patting the dogs and the rabbits and all of that kind of thing, and it's just a joyful place. I imagine sound of the music, Is that sound of music, yes, yeah, right, sound of music, singing beautifully. She has a voice like um, Eve has to have a voice like an angel, right? Like Christy, I think she would. Anyway. Now, I'm sure it wasn't exactly like that, but I'd say it was a pretty joyful place. Now, if you can just imagine with me for a second that I'm Eve, all right? I am not naked, so that would be weird. Mike talked about that. You can listen to another sermon a few weeks back. You should have a listen. It was hilarious, but let's keep going. Imagine with me, I'm Eve, and I'm wandering through the Garden of Eden, and all of a sudden, someone hands me a mobile phone. And even before I have turned it on, I look in it and I see this gigantic pimple here, right here. You can't see it? You're too far away. Good. She's just noticed she's got a gigantic pimple. And all of a sudden, her whole image, her whole persona about who she is starts to change. Why hasn't Adam even told her in the first place? And all of a sudden, a little bit of her joy leaves because her image is a little bit distorted. Then she picks up her mobile phone and decides to turn it on. Good gracious, it is 5 p.m. Hang on, it's 5 p.m. Don't I have to get all the dinner ready and have it on the table so that my kids can eat at 5 o'clock and don't they have to have um, carrots and beans and is it red red meat or is it fish or is it chicken? Don't I have to have everything perfect at 5 o'clock so that my kids don't turn into monsters and I can have baths at 6.30 and get into bed by 7 o'clock so some parent doesn't tell me that I'm doing something wrong? All of a sudden, time has taken away a little bit of her joy. And then there's Adam. Don't forget about poor Adam. Poor Adam is stuck at work and it's hit five o'clock. And all of a sudden, he's like, I need to finish all my work. And I need to get home by 5.01 because I've got to be the amazing dad. I've got to have everything together. I've got to provide for my family. I've got to be there to look after everybody. I've got to have it all together, even though my work is not done. And I really should be there and doing it all the way at home. And then work pressures to steal a little bit of our joy. And then Eve, she's a little bit tired after um, her long day of making food for the kids and working out how to pop pimples. And the TV comes on. And all of a sudden, there's Marie Kondo standing there looking all smiley and lovely. And all of a sudden she feels such a guilt about the fact that she really, really, really needs to pick up that rug and fold it up the right way and put it over the chair because heaven forbid at midnight someone might look through her window and see that rug on the ground or heaven forbid even worse that a robber might come in and look through her drawers and make sure they're not perfectly folded. <laughs> and Marie Kondo stills a little of uh, our joy. And so Eve, she finally lays in bed and it's midnight and she's exhausted, she pulls out the trusty mobile phone again and all of a sudden she realises that she can download apps on this thing. What's this one? Instagram? Awesome. She sits there and she scrolls and all of a sudden it's 3am, she's not only exhausted, but she's exhausted of looking at everybody's social media feeds and everything they've got perfect in their lives. She also realises that it's her daughter's birthday tomorrow and she has to make a cake, this amazing cake, with five or six tears and, you know, has her perfect fondant and everything like that because how is she going to put it on social media if it doesn't? And all of a sudden, she's lost a little bit of joy and a a lot of sleep. And then she wakes up in the morning... And Eve is a little bit exhausted. She's waking up early because she's got lots to do. And we all know poor Adam, he's not that happy either because we all know happy wife, happy life, right? So he's tired, she's tired, and all of a sudden, lack of sleep has lost a little bit of her joy. Now she's tired, but she can't have a sleep because having a nap would make her look weak. And maybe somebody would know that. And so she stays up all day. And she's a little bit exhausted. And so she then turns on some Netflix at the end of the day. And who would have thought that watching murder documentaries could steal a little bit of her joy? And all of a sudden, Eve, who had all this beautiful joy, somewhere along the way, lost all her joy. Obviously, this isn't how the creation story happened. You can read about that in Genesis. But in the Genesis story, we actually read about how Eve and Adam chose to trust the serpent instead of trusting God, which created anxiety. And like all the every little things that we put above Jesus in our everyday lives, it takes away just a little bit of our joy in each and every time. Anytime we put things above our trust in Jesus. We disconnect from God the more we trust in things of the world instead of trusting in what he says. And it's not just Eve, is it? We all feel this way sometimes, right? We all lose our joy with things of the world. I was reading some stats um, around anxiety and depression and I jumped on the Beyond Blue website and there's some more stats on the uh, Black Dog Institute as well and they say that Australia is actually becoming more anxious than ever. So, one in seven Australians will experience depression in their lifetime, one in seven. Some research says up to 45% of people. So, that's almost half of Australia will will experience depression in their lifetime, one quarter of Australians will experience anxiety condition in their lifetime, one in 16 Australians is currently experiencing depression and one in seven Australians is currently experiencing an anxiety condition so that says to me in a room this size there's definitely people in this room who would be suffering with depression and anxiety right now in their day to day We are struggling to find joy and peace in our lives. The fruit of what happened in the Garden of Eden brought anxiety and depression rather than the fruits of the Spirit which they were getting to experience before Eve took the apple off the serpent and off the tree. But Paul makes it clear in the scripture that um, Ash read to us before in Philippians that this wasn't actually how we were meant to be living So we're going to have a look through the scripture today and see um, what God says about how we should live. If we can chuck it back up, that'd be great. So verse four, it says, "Rejoice in the Lord always." I say it again, rejoice. Now, when they're actually saying rejoice in the um, in those days in the scripture, it actually. Rejoice didn't mean just to be happy inside or put a smile on your face or anything like that. Rejoice meant to actually celebrate. It meant to have a big, big party. They would celebrate their gods. And so Paul was, um, he was saying, celebrate, rejoice, have a big party. One of the reasons we come together and we gather together and we have fun and we worship God is because we're celebrating him. And he says we need to do that. And there's a reason that we need to. The next bit says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. So we're saying, we don't celebrate a God who's heaps far away. We don't celebrate a God who um, lives up in the sky. No, we celebrate a God who is near, who is really close to us. He's not far. And then he goes on to say, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now, I don't know about you, when I sign a petition, and I do get petitions over emails and things like that, I care about the outcome. I don't actually just click on every petition that comes in. When I petition something, I want to see change. And Paul's actually saying here, he wants you to go to God and petition him in prayer. So he actually wants, he says, God, the Lord's not far. He's right here. Go to him, ask him for what you want, petition for what you want with thanksgiving, present your request to God. God wants to hear from you. He wants to hear what's going on in your life. He wants to hear about what you care about. And then it goes on to say, And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Now it says, And the peace of God which transcends all understanding. So that means, firstly, that when we petition God, then the peace of God will come upon us. And it also says that it might not be, you might not be able to understand it. I know there has been times in my life where I have called out for the peace of God in a situation that is beyond my control and I may not have got an exact answer right then, I may not have got a yes or a no even then, but God has filled me with such peace and that's what he's saying, go to him with, with your requests, go to him, petition for him with what you need and he will meet you there. He will bring you peace there. Peace doesn't always make sense, but we need it in our lives. And verse 8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, I don't know about you, but I probably spend, and I know I shouldn't admit this, but I probably spend more time worrying about these kinds of things than I do about praising God, about thinking about things that are pure, thinking about things that are lovely, thinking about things that are praiseworthy, I spend more time on this than I I shouldn't. I should spend more time thinking about the things of God. The truth is when we dwell on these things, we lose our joy. But when we dwell on the Lord, we gain that joy back. So whatever, he says, God's going to say, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. The promise is, in verse 4, that the Lord is near. And the promise is, in verse 9, that the God of peace will be with you. So you're given those promises. When you draw near to him, he is right there. I always think, sometimes I know I've thought, when I reach out to God... Then he'll come close to me. No, God is already right here. God is there. God is waiting for you. I love the verse. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Luke 11. And it says, knock and the door will be open to you. Not because you knocked, but because you kept on knocking. God is right there. He's right behind that door. And I saw an image the other day, and I'm not sure if Mike shared this in his sermon or if I just saw it somewhere, but um, it was a picture of a door and there was Jesus standing on one side of the door and there was a door here, but there was no handle on the door because the handle was on this side, because Jesus wants you to open the door and see that He's right there. And Paul's talking about in that, that throughout this scripture. Interesting thing you'll know about Paul, I didn't say this before, but um, if you don't know about Paul, he, he um, wasn't one of Jesus' disciples, but he came after that. Um, he used to go around killing Christians, and then he turned turn and, and, and found Jesus and then went and preach the gospel to everyone, anybody that would listen. And then he got put in prison for it. So he actually writes this letter of Philippi, which we get, um, this letter of Philippians, sorry, which is written to the church of Philippi. He was writing it from prison. So Paul is not living what we would call his best life. He is in prison, but he's rejoicing in prison. So when Paul writes, rejoice, no matter what your circumstances, he speaks out of an understanding and a knowledge of how to do that. Being in prison in those days would have been a lot worse than being in prison here. If you listen to Bryant's sermon um, from week one, you can hear a little bit more about what it was like to be in prison there and the things they needed from other people. Now, I just want to say to you, if you're not feeling joy right now, let me tell you two things. If you're not feeling joy, this is actually the best place you can be. To be surrounded by people who will love you, who will support you, who will encourage you, who will uplift you. To be in a place where you can rejoice and praise the Lord. To be in a place where you can experience the Holy Spirit, where you can invite Jesus into your heart. Here is the best place you can be no matter how you are feeling. It really is. And number two, we we don't talk about this a lot in church, but Jesus struggled. In Matthew 26, verse 38, Jesus takes all his disciples to Gethsemane and he takes three of his disciples away from the rest of the group. We're going to say that guitar is the rest of the group. And he wanders away. And he says to his men, he says, you guys wait here. I'm going to go talk to my father. You just stay here. You just pray for me. And he walks away. And it says in scripture that Jesus was sorrowful unto death. Some scriptures say he was very, very sad. And so he walks away from his friends and he falls to his knees and he says, Father, if you can take away this cup from me, then do it. But if not, your will, not mine. Now, a man doesn't fall to his knees unless he is desperate, unless he needs to petition God for something. Jesus knew what it felt like to be sorrowful. Jesus knew what it felt like to have the weight of the world upon his shoulders. And I think somebody here needs to hear that. Jesus understands what you are going through. He gets it. He has been there. Now, I'm not saying that Jesus was depressed. I don't know And I don't know whether he had already started to experience the weight of uh, sin upon his shoulders. I don't know. But I do know that in that moment, Jesus felt sad. Jesus understands when you feel sad. Jesus is perfect, absolutely perfect. So let me be very clear right now. To say you are sinning by having those feelings is wrong because if Jesus went through it and Jesus felt that way and he is perfect, then I can tell you right now that it is not a sin to feel that way. Also, let me say that that is not the life that Jesus wants for you. He doesn't want us to live in that. But hear me, hear is a safe place for you. Jesus made the decision to trust in God's promises over and above his own feelings and emotions. He goes back to his disciples. They're over here, aren't they? He goes back to his disciples and he says, and, they, and of course they are fallen asleep, as you'd expect. And it must, it must be super late. It must be in the middle of the morning or something. But they're asleep and Jesus is frustrated, I'd say, probably upset at his friends for falling asleep on him. And he says, wake up. And he says something really important. He says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Isn't that so true? Our spirit is willing. Our spirit doesn't want to live in this place, place, but our flesh is weak. And then he goes away a second time and he prays. And he says, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. So Jesus made a decision to trust in God's promises over and above his own feelings and emotions. We have to learn to trust God over and above our feelings and emotions. And so the question that we all have is how do we turn these boxes around? Every time we pray for somebody who's hurt us. Every time we pray for somebody who's distracted us, taken us away, we turn the box around. Every time we choose to read the word of God over spending time on watching TV, we start to turn the box around. Every time we still our minds and we pray to God. He brings us peace and we start to turn the box around. Every time every time we understand that God is the only one that's perfect. He is the only one that's going to get it right every single time we turn the box around. Every time We worship God. Every time we sing a song and we declare his praises, we understand who we are and who we were created by and we start to turn the box around. Every time we decide to put God above our family, above our friends, above our work, and we make decisions based around him, we start to turn the box around. And this one's really important. Every time we get on our knees and we say, God, not my will, but yours be done, we turn the box around. We follow Jesus' example. Sorry, when we follow Jesus' example and trust God's promises above our own emotions. Now remember, Eve she didn't trust her own, her, she, she trusted in her own emotions. She trusted in the serpent rather than trusting in God and she lost all her joy. But every time we trust in God's promises, we start to get that joy back again. And we start to turn around the boxes around. And what is the, what is the fruit of the spirit? Joy, peace, patience, self-control, We start to feel and start to know those fruits of the Spirit. And the reason that we start to feel and start to know those fruits of the Spirit like joy is because we know God. The truth is, joy is not a feeling in a moment, it's knowing the one true God. Because the truth is, you can't really know joy. Unless you know God. You cannot have real, true, lasting, everlasting joy unless you know the God who created joy. When all I see is God, I know joy and peace. The more I trust in God, I experience more peace. Heartache will come, but God doesn't change. He is still the same God of peace that he was yesterday as he will be tomorrow. The secret of living your best life, a life that begins to be free of anxiety, of depression, or even fear or worry, is to trust in Jesus, to know him well. Are you willing to know God like Paul knew God, where when you know him, you can praise him through the really hard times? My my biggest breakthroughs in life, has been when I praised Jesus in the pain. When I rejoiced, like Paul said to rejoice. When I got down on my knees in my bedroom to God and I petitioned God for the thing that I needed, his spirit. It's there that Jesus has met me and spoken to me. It's there that I've had healing. It's there that I have taken a step towards peace. Maybe today you've never experienced such feelings so strongly, maybe you've never experienced anxiety or depression, but I'm sure there has been time in your life where you have lost some joy. And can I encourage you to work out where you have put something before God? What What is it that you have believed the lies that other people have told you over trusting God's truth? I encourage you, think about that. Where are you not finding joy in your life and work out how you're going to turn that box around again? Sometimes medication for anxiety and depression is really helpful. And if you've been told by a doctor to do that, then please do that. But I also must believe in the healing power of Jesus Christ because I have experienced it myself. When I was younger, when I was a teenager, I went on um, antidepressants to get me out of a season um, of depression that I was in. And I had a wonderful Christian doctor. She was beautiful. And she recognized at that time that I needed it to help me get to a place where I could work through some of my issues that I was going through. She walked with me at my pace and she also taught me some really wonderful strategies that I only now know relate back to scripture. She taught me to get out of my bed when I was feeling that way and to go over to a space that I had created which we call my safe space where I would sit on this beanbag and I would journal and I would pray. She taught me how to get out of the situation I was in and transition myself in line with God. And it was only later that I clicked, that's Romans 12 verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. She taught me about going to God to renew my mind. Some people get instantly healed and I have seen that and if you've got um, any kind of anxiety or depression or anything like that or you're worried about things, pray about it because I do believe in a God that can instantly heal. But there are times where God wants to walk you through things to teach you some things. So I always say healing is amazing but if you get to work, walk the journey between now and healing, that's also even sometimes better yeah. because you know how you got there and you know how to help other people get there. The most important thing she taught me though, she taught me that I am in control of how much I give control to God. That was huge for me. We always say, and this world says that you should have control over your own life, that you are in control of everything. But the truth is, we have control over how much we give control to God. He's not pushing that door open, he's waiting there for you to open it for him. We have a choice in how much we trust his promises. I had a choice in how much I let God control my life. And it wasn't until many, many years later, I, I came off antidepressants and I was able to get through that season. But many, many years later, one of my girlfriends looked at me and she said, Jen, you are trying to have it both ways. You're trying to um, have the world in one hand and God in the other. And it's not working for you. You're not allowing God to have complete control over your life. And when I surrendered, when I made that decision to surrender, my whole world changed. My whole life changed. My trajectory changed. The God of peace came upon me. The God of joy came upon me because I chose to focus on God. I chose that the things of the world were going to be laid down at the foot of the cross and I was going to focus on God because I knew that nothing else was working. I knew that God was the only way. So my question to you is how much are you letting God control your life? How much are you trusting in his promises? I encourage you, to surrender yourself to God and he will lift you up. Do not wait for a feeling of happiness or joy. Get to know the one true God and you will know the joy of Christ. There is a saying that I love and it says, where does the peace of God come from? Why? From the God of peace, of course. Get to know one and you'll have the other. Know God and you will know joy. Know God and you will know peace. Surrendering control in your life is one of the greatest things you will ever do in your life. You will never... Understand true love, you will never understand true joy. And I'm not saying you can't be happy and all that kind of thing, but you will never understand the true joy until you surrender your life to God. And for many of us, we need to do it daily. Often. So we're going to worship. Thanks so much for listening. We'd love to hear from you. For more information and resources, please check out our website, encounteradelaide.com.au. And don't forget to leave us a rating and review on your podcast provider. Have an amazing day. God bless.